Welcome to the Council Podcast, a podcast about life as an in-house lawyer. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I am passionate about all things in-house and am so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. My guest today is an in-house legal legend, someone that has contributed to our understanding of in-house practice more than most. As the author of the 10 Things You Need to Know as In-House Counsel blog, Sterling Miller is a gift to in-house lawyers everywhere. He has held the general counsel position three times at Sabre Corporation, Travelocity and Marketo. Sterling shared so much wisdom that I am releasing his interview over two parts. Enjoy. Yeah, it's certainly something I haven't had a chance to ask many general counsel, uh, except for my own at, at the moment, about you know what it is actually like at the top. And you perhaps might feel like you can't necessarily talk with other colleagues within the business because things remain confidential or highly sensitive. But I'm, I'm sure that there are other networks that you would look to in that role for guidance and support. What did you find helped you? There were several. So interesting enough, interestingly enough, outside counsel mm. are a great sounding board. And most of them, in my experience, they weren't looking to bill you, right? If you just called someone up and said, look, can I just bounce some things off you? Sure. You know, they just, they love to just talk to you and kind of be your sounding board for things without, you know, trying to bill point two or point three or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. There are several outside lawyers who I really, really respected. And I found that to be very valuable. In Dallas and in Texas, there is a general counsel forum uh, that you can be part of. And it, it's, it is made up of general counsel, not only in the DFW area, which is a chapter, but across Texas as a whole. And you could literally email anyone on that list and ask for 10 minutes or has anyone ever dealt with X? And you would get five, six, seven responses back or someone saying, call me, let me, let me talk to you about this. So, cause there are people who, yeah, people who've been through, through the same, through the same things that you have. And I, you know, I have tried to pay that forward both as a general counsel. And even, you know, since I left my last in-house position, I talk, I talk to in-house lawyers all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get lots of uh, emails. Hey, c- do you have any advice about this? Or have you ever run across this? And I, if it's really short, I'll reply with an email, but generally I'll just say, can we set up a call? Mm. Because there's no substitute for just kind of hearing a little bit more about what they want to, what they, what they want to find out about and then just talking to people. And, and I, I enjoy that. People did that for me. So I, uh, uh, I, I enjoy that. And then I had most of my stops trying to think, well, all three of my stops as general counsel, I had people on my team who were at least as old as me, or maybe even older. Mm-hmm. And they're great resources. If you just approach them with, hey, I know I don't know anything about this. Can you help me understand it? If you don't try to pretend that just because you got to the general counsel chair, you were suddenly 
uh, endowed with all empowering yeah. knowledge of every legal topic <laughs> because you're not. No. Right. So um, I would have to, I would have to ask people. Like, how does this work? What is what? What are we doing here? Even to the point, you know, my background wasn't contract drafting. I've learned a lot about it. But some of my early earliest meetings as general counsel, I would have one of the contract lawyers in, and I would pull the one of our form contracts out, and I'd go, "Could you just walk me through this and tell me what these paragraphs mean?" <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know how they I don't know how they work. And uh, and inevitably, everyone said, "Of course, I would love to do that. I would be happy to you know spend some time and and share that." And uh, uh, but you just have to be humble enough to ask and say, I, I need some help. And I think you'll find people on your team are flattered that you that you asked, but also impressed that you you're not a, you, you don't think of yourself as as all knowing of all mm. topics. And you recognize that everybody, everybody needs needs some help. But what, what I used to really like to do is I would I would have a presentation that I was going to give for the C-suite or the board or maybe a really, really important email slash memo that I was writing and I would send it to someone I would say tear this apart I okay. want you to tell me how stupid this is and how bad this is I want you to find every hole I want you to humiliate me <laughs> and they would that kind of just be like brave. what are you talking about and I go because if you've ever been in front of a really active board of directors right that's what they they're will, gonna do <laughs> that's what they're gonna do I mean they will look to humiliate you but they're gonna ask you really hard questions and how and they're gonna pressure test all the things that you're gonna say mm. so I would rather have run that gauntlet beforehand mm -hmm. than, than wait to get into the meeting and then go for the first time, huh, I didn't think about that, which is never a great answer, certainly from, from the general counsel. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of value you can get from your own team if you, just, if you just bring yourself down a little bit and go, I need some help, and you'll, you'll find it. I think that's such important advice for anybody at any stage of their career to not be afraid to ask for help and that there is there is absolutely no shame in not knowing something. We just aren't born with all of that knowledge and that expertise, and it doesn't come with a, a title or a position. And I think that the only silly question is the one that you you don't ask. Oh, oh absolutely. And, and you know, the people in the business, I mean, they literally think that there is a big book called Law, and you pull it down from the shelf and you open it up, and there are answers in black and white. Right? Everything is just laid out, and you have to. <laughs> it's just like you have to you have to do a lot of educating in the job, but mm -hmm. you also have to say, look, I don't know the answer, mm -hmm. and there's no clear answer, but here's the here's the best we can come up with, and here's why. They usually want to hear why, like why, it, why did why did you say that? Why did you why do you think that's the best answer? And I would say early in my career, you know, I used to get a little prickly. I used to think, well, because I'm legal, I'm telling you, this is this is the answer, and over time you realize they're not doing that to insult you or to 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 make to claim that you don't know what you're talking about they're just curious or they're good they're good business people and they want to know why you know why why should i do this tell me give me give me more than just do it and at the end i actually i actually enjoyed the conversations with the business where they would question our advice like why should we do that? Walk, the, walk me through that again. Walk me through your logic. Uh, and I know a lot of in-house lawyers, especially the new ones, you know, they, they feel that, that they're somehow being challenged, that they're not smart or, you know, they're not, they're not good lawyers. And that's, that's really not the case. These are just business people basically saying, prove it. Prove your case. Mm. Be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. make, make your points. And, uh, and I, I came to really enjoy that. So that was, that was a real fun part for me.
I think some of our our best client relationships within the business can be with those that really challenge us. Over time, I always I always look back most fondly at the people I've worked with who I would have first called a bush lawyer. Yeah. And that is somewhat that is a term of endearment to a point. But uh, they tend to think that some, maybe they studied uh, a semester of law at some point, or they they may took have business read law a book. class. They yep. did a business law, and they they know you know they know enough, and they come in and they want to they want to challenge you and they see. W- they want to they want to engage with you, and uh, there, so there's a couple things that reminds me of. So one, we we made up when I was at Saver. Uh, so before, tra- actually, we did this at Travelocity too. We made up honorary law degrees, oh, and I they love looked that. like they looked like diplomas. We went to a you know a printer, and we had them printed up and framed, and we had whatever Saber University School of Law or Travelocity School of Law. And for anyone who really would help out the legal department or did something extraordinary, we would make them an honorary lawyer member of the legal department. And you think you know it's like a $10 expenditure. You think that's kind of silly or stupid. They loved it. Oh my yes. God. They had these things hanging in their offices, their cubicles with pride. And you, you, it was, it was such an easy thing to do, but it was for those people who just went out of their way, like engaging us, uh, and, 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 uh, or would really go out of the way to help us that that was, uh, you know, that was really cool, really fun. The other thing, not only the, the people who want to engage you, the people with all the urgent deadlines, right? This has Mm -hmm. to be done tonight, has to be done in the morning. Of course, they waited until 6 PM to give it to you. We need to sign this tomorrow morning. And I used to always, I used to always say, people would send me these urgent deadlines, I'd say, you know what? I can't work on it now, but Saturday morning is free. Why don't you come in the office and we'll sit down and we'll get this knocked out? I tell you what, Mel, you find out how important it is when you say Saturday or Sunday morning, I'll meet you in the office and we'll knock it out. (laughs) Then it's like, well, you know, I can wait till Monday or Tuesday. I had one person who was always insistent and I did that with. He is the only one who ever took me up on it. Okay. And we met, we <laughs> met on a Saturday morning in the office and we went through these contracts and I said, you know, you're the first person who's ever done this. And we've, we've actually became very good friends, exactly as you were saying. But he said, well, um, the reason I had to do it, I came in is I'm flying to India in four hours to get married. <laughs> and and oh. so I need to, I need to get this contract. I really do need to get this contract out the door. Of course, then I felt, you know, two inches tall because I made him come in on it. <laughs> He's trying to get. He's trying to get out of the country, and I'm this, you know, smartass. But, uh, but yeah. I think that's a, a nice example of setting boundaries. And if someone really tests it, then hey, maybe they're getting married tomorrow, and it just does need to be done. <laughs> yeah, or I say, okay, um, I can talk at nine thirty tonight. Do you have Do you have thirty minutes? Again, you you find out how important it is. Now, of course, if they say yes, you, you better be prepared to go through with it. You can't bluff, but I was always prepared to, you know, do whatever it, whatever it would take. But most people said, oh, well, no, it can wait. <laughs> of course it can. I find myself on reflection doing this inadvertently with our US team because for them it will become quite late when it's still really early in my day. So I will really say you, you tend to find out how important something is if, if they're 
willing to stay up to to work with you on yep. it, or yep. if they can wait for the next day. But uh, our business is it, it just seems to roll twenty four hour cycles. It's it's super quick and. You dynamic. have a global sales team, yeah, absolutely, it is. And they want to they want to get things done quickly, so they often will go above and beyond to meet well, with especially you. Especially near the end of the end of the quarter, or the end of the fiscal oh, year, totally. right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but you know what? We anticipate that and we um we can see you see the cadence and the cycle of, of a team and what their drivers and their pressures are. And that's what I love about in-house. We get that exposure to the team and actually really understanding in detail what will be driving them at what time of the month or the quarter or the year. So we right. can plan for that. That's once you yeah, once you figure it out and you can start to plan for it. It still gets crazy, but if you if you just continually do nothing and you're continually surprised mm-hmm. at the end of the quarter there's a huge influx of contracts, then you know, you may want to go back and, and rethink your strategy. But most most in-house legal teams I think figure that out. But the, the comforting thing to know, hopefully for the listeners, is everybody who's worked with a sales team, it's universal. Those mm-hmm. problems have been the same every stop I've ever made. We need the, we need more contracts. We need them faster. The surges are always at the same time of the year. It's all the same. And you know, what, so what, what worked usually at, a, at one other stop will work someplace else. And, yeah. uh, you know, just, just, just keep, you're, you're not alone. So someone, uh, there are, so there are some truism, yeah, universal truisms in this, in this job. And that's one of them. That leads me very nicely. What a segue I, to my next question. We've spoken about your experience in the trenches, in-house, general counsel role. And across all of this time, you've also had a little bit of a, a passion, a side hustle, something that was for fun. And and that, of course, is, is your legal blog, 10 Things You Need to Know, yep. as in-house counsel that I mentioned earlier, which was also uh, then made into, I believe, two editions of uh, the book. And Two books. Yeah, there's two books. There'll be, there'll be a third at some oh, I point. Love, <laughs> thank you for the heads up. I, um, I have the first edition right here in front of me, and it is dog-eared, and it is highly lighted and it is well worn i want to take you to my favorite and it's hard to pick my okay. goodness 10 things to help your client get their contract through legal quickly this oh one, wow yep this one is a winner and <laughs> you've stepped through as you do with all of your posts 10 things to think about on a particular topic and some of them are very specific to legal and, and some are more general about writing style or perhaps you know productivity tips i love this piece number seven about how much is the deal worth and asking yourself and asking the client exactly how much is this contract worth to the business what kind of revenue looking at all of the angles about what this might really bring or or help avoid for the business can so quickly my goodness it changes the conversation and I picked up on this yes, one yes. really early in my in-house career, my first in-house role, and I was still relatively junior. When I read this and I put it into practice, I felt like I had some power back into how much time and effort I needed to put into this contract and how high I should jump, essentially, when they told me to. <laughs> and I just love that piece <laughs> of advice. I love this post. You know, my, my day-to-day is really heavily uh, involved in commercial contracts of all shape and sizes. And it's something that I teach the juniors in my team now to actually ask that question, how much is this worth? Because then you can really prioritize and manage. And yes. not not all contracts are created equal. And of course, our clients think that they are. But I, 
I love this piece. I just needed to shout it out. Oh, well, thank you. So we are, that was actually something that we had created when I was at Travelocity to deal with contract volumes. And that was So that was internal to the team. And a lot of the early blog posts are actually things that I created as general counsel for my team as we tried to just figure out how to deal with issues that came mm. up. So maybe the first first five or six blogs are literally uh, things that I had written for my team. We would go through at off-sites or we would go through at meetings. So that's how it came to be. Well, it, it <laughs> so yes and no. So what happened was I had retired from Sabre. This was the end of 2014. Um, I'd been there for over 20 years. Uh, we'd had an IPO, which was which was awesome. Mm, all I have to say, wow. very nice. Yeah. And I decided and was able to walk away. Right. Yes. And I had committed to speak this uh, forum uh, in downtown Dallas uh, for in-house counsel. It was an all-day all-day session, and I can't remember the topic I had. I think it was trans-border transactions or something like that. But I but I stuck around because there was a cocktail hour, and uh, I always like to hang out at the cocktail hour. And I was approached by several very new in-house lawyers, and they said, you know, hey, Sterling, if I want to be general counsel, what should I be focusing on? What should I be doing now with my career? And you know, I'm sitting there having a vodka soda. And I go, well, you know, here's some things I'd think about just off the top of my head, right? I'm just kind of laying out in-house counsel life lessons. And they start writing this stuff down, like on napkins, on the back of the badge. And there's a light bulb goes off. And I thought, well, man, if anyone should be writing this down, it should be me. And I spent some time kind of thinking about, this would have been November of 2014. So so what would I want to write about? And I knew I had several of these things that I had shared with my teams over over the past several years and I pulled some of those out. Like what is the very first one? how to be a successful in-house lawyer. We had gone through that at a uh, at one of the offsites that we had um, when I was general counsel. I thought if I could get a hundred people to read this, that would be awesome, right? So I'll take something, I'll write 10 things about a topic because that's what the first thing I had, had 10 things in it. And I just Mm -hmm. came up with the name, 10 things you need to know is in-house counsel with the topic. And then I wrote another one and then it started to take off. I thought, wow, well maybe I'll get to 500. And then it got to 1,000 and 2,000. And now it's just the followers. It's 4,200 something, you know. Yeah, then we had the books and all the stuff and wow, it just... It has gone far longer than I ever imagined, right? So now we'll be going on finishing up year five, I guess, of writing it, starting year six later this year. Never imagined people would find it that interesting. But but the one thing I knew what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to do those boring client alerts that you get from law firms or the crap that they would Mm. bring in when they would do education sessions that had no practical bearing on how it really Mm -hmm. was to be an in-house lawyer. I really wanted to write it from, I'm sitting in the chair, someone comes into me and says, what do I need to know about electronic signatures? What do I need to know about, you know, contracts? And that one that that you referenced to led to another one that was last August, I think, which is how to read a contract, which was someone in the business said, I want to help my team understand how to read contracts so they know what they're doing. And and I had written that when I was at, I must've been at Travelocity too, uh, and just dusted it off and updated it and threw it out there. 
and the reaction that I got for that for that blog post was incredible. People from all over the world, which is one of the cool things about this blog, uh, I have to say, is I hear from people in Turkey, from Japan, from Brazil, from London, whatever, um, Australia, <laughs> and uh, yes. and that's really that's really really fun. I, I really like it. So it's been it's been really cool, and that's that's how it started. That's fantastic. I guess you are talking to universal truths and something we think is just unique to our experience perhaps is not at all. And when you put it out there and you're receiving replies from all over the world, no doubt you have that moment of, oh my gosh, we are we are actually all in this together. And what a nice feeling that must be. I, I keep waiting for someone just to write, thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, but I've, never, I've never gotten that. No. Because <laughs> I guess it's because it's, it's, you know, it is, hopefully it's helpful and hopefully it's practical. Those are, those are really my goals. But I always, I always am. There's always a little fear in the back of my head. Someone's going to go, you just write about the most obvious stuff, Sterling. But I've never, I've never heard that, thankfully. <laughs> Maybe from my mom. But <laughs> No, I think I think what you write is is very well thought out and very uh, very topical. And you know, I saw that you had a, a recent post exactly on what we discussed earlier with crisis management yes. uh, in COVID nineteen world. And I would recommend anyone listening to go and find that. And I'll most certainly put all of the links to your blog and elsewhere on in the oh, show notes. Oh, thank you. So thank you. Appreciate that. Definitely uh, recommend going and and checking that out plot twist. We've been speaking about in-house life and, and all of your pearls of wisdom and, and teachings you're putting out in the world and, and, and giving back to the in-house community and become such a, I guess, an icon in, in a way of, of our profession. And then you find yourself back in private practice. Ta-da. I mean, yes. you've got to tell me why. Well, uh, my mom, my mom asked that same question. Um, we so we sold, we sold. Um, my last in-house job was at Marketo, which is a marketing technology company. And I and I, I am familiar with Marketo. We do use that. Yeah, it's big in us, big in Australia, big down under. So you're you are familiar with it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's such a good product that I, I I knew when I joined. So I had been, I had. When I had left Saber, I had so I'd been at Travelocity, then Saber General Counsel, and then I left in 2014. I started working with this real small boutique law firm called Hilger's Graben. Uh, it's based in Nebraska, which is where I grew up. So the the founders are from Nebraska, so we're we're friends, right? Yeah. And um, they had asked me if I would if I would join, and I was really reluctant, I have to say, but they finally wore me down. And I did. I wasn't working full time. I was kind of working part time for them. And uh, some some other friends called me and said, "Hey, we're at Marketo. We need a general counsel. Are you interested?" And you know, here's the plan. You know, it's owned by private equity. It's going to get sold in three or four years. And I did miss the in-house life, so I went back in-house. The company did so well. We sold it. I was only there 18 months, and we sold it. And uh, so, look, I'm, to, I, Adobe, to Adobe, right? I'm not complaining. Yeah, that was great. So yeah. I'm sitting there going, well, do I do I take another in-house job? Because I really I really loved not only working um, at Marketo, but for Vista Equity Partners, were a tremendous private equity owner, and you know another opportunity with them would would be great. But in the back of my head, I know this is going to sound weird to everybody out there who's in-house. I had the best time at this law firm. It was very different than my very first time I was at a law firm, which was you know right out of law school a very, very long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a hankering to go back. I wanted to keep doing it. 
And wow. so I, I went back. This would have been February of 2019. And I've been there ever since. And I have a lot of control over my schedule, a lot of control over what I work on. Uh, and I really, I, I really enjoy the people. And I, I just really have, have found it to be kind of a kind of a, 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 a neat and different place to land. Would I, would I go ba- back in-house for a fourth one? Maybe. I don't know. I'm still pretty young, I guess, even though I've been doing this a long time. So so maybe. But I, I, I do enjoy it, surprisingly. Much to my surprise, I enjoyed it. That is the main thing, no matter what we're doing. I think if we're guided by our general happiness and contentment, uh, you know, not all day, but but certainly throughout a week or a month, if we're, we're pretty happy with how we're spending our time and also who we're spending it with in that circle, I think can just make all the difference. I love that you've found that that peace and that happiness in the private practice world after such a long career in-house. I think that's a fantastic uh, story and actually one that you don't hear so often. Yeah, no, no, you really, you really don't. But, uh, you know, I, th- I love being a lawyer, solving problems, just, you know, something that if, if, you've, if you've read the intro to the first book, so if you probably have, you know the story mm-hmm. of how I got to be, to be a lawyer, how I got to be in-house. So being just, and I'm really, at this point, just a lawyer. I have no administrative responsibilities. I don't manage people. So all the stuff about being general counsel, all the administrative headaches, all the, the people problems. I mean, I... I was good at all that, and I and I do enjoy the people aspect. You have to, if you want to manage people, you really have to like people, and you have to be, you know, you have to be someone who has empathy and is willing to, you know, go above and beyond just your needs uh, from an everyday standpoint. And I did enjoy that, but boy, I tell you, it's been a nice break, um, not having yeah, to, to deal with that and just and just solve legal problems all day. So that's 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 what I get to do, which is great. That's awesome. And being that, uh, I guess, the person bringing in the business, not necessarily a cost center, that that shift again would be quite quite lovely. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually and I'm actually pretty good at bringing in bringing in business. I, I maybe because I know a lot of people in house and they know that if if yeah, we're you know, just have a very practical mindset to solving legal problems. So, if anyone's out there wants to call me, go right ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> we are coming up on time. I just wanted to check how how you are for time. I can Oh, as long up. as you need to go. Oh, yep. amazing. Let's, I only have two can... more questions and I okay. know we we could speak for for quite some time, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably there's, keep talking. There's plenty which, uh... to unpack. I would just love to know more broadly what you have read or listened to recently that has inspired you. A couple things. So I've read, I finished a trilogy by Don Winslow, who's an American author, and it started, uh, it's about the drug war in the U.S. Uh, and Colombia and Mexico. Uh, if you watch the TV show Narcos on yes. on Netflix, there's a mm-hmm. little bit of that in the in these books. So it's it's kind of it's fiction, but it's also fact. So a lot of those events are are in these books. But it's it's so fascinating because you 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 kind of learn about the history of how it evolved and how it got to be such so awful. And there's also kind of a sense of hopelessness about it, which I don't know if that has inspired me, but it, but it has angered me that, you know, we seem to be fighting the problems in the wrong way. You know, we throw, we throw the money at military helicopters and building giant metal walls, and that's not really going to solve it at the end of the day, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. So there are, there are other things to do, but unfortunately, it takes a lot of guts by the politicians, I think, to want to do those things versus the easy law and order 
you know, line mm. that you hear generally. Um, but just reading those books and going through that, it's, 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 they're really fascinating. So I would highly recommend them. The other one I would mention, and I mentioned this recently in a, in a blog I wrote about books you should be reading, non, non-legal books in House Lawyers Should Be Reading. It's Team of Rivals by uh, Doris Goodwin. And Team of Rivals is about when Abraham Lincoln was elected president, so you know, well over 100 years ago here in the U.S., he built his cabinet, surrounded himself with people who hated his guts, who were rivals for power and position, but he, sur- he surrounded himself with people that he thought would give him good advice, would give him advice that maybe he didn't want to hear, but he needed to hear. And the fact that any politician would do that is just amazing to me and how he handled those egos and how he balanced all that out. And, you know, I think over time, intuitively, you know, when I was general counsel, I I didn't necessarily build a team of rivals, but I did always ask my people, just because I say something doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's true. And if you hear something from me that you think is wrong, I want you to speak up. I will never penalize someone for saying, let's back up and talk about that. You know, and I don't think I don't think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people and I've been with CEOs who have, you know, they kind of have their viewpoint and they don't really want to hear dissent. (laughs) They say they do, but they don't really. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's one way to go. But, you know, I think the ones that I've been with who really are open to hearing, you know, different positions, that's a better place. So that's a that's a tremendous book. Would highly recommend that one, too. Yeah. Brilliant. Really good. good. Thank you so much for your recommendations. I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and I'm so grateful for your time. I know it's later for you, it's early for me, but we made it work and I'm really, really so thankful that we got this chance to meet. Oh, it was my pleasure. I I, I really enjoyed it, Mel. I can't can't wait to to listen to it. Oh, and buy buy the second book too. (laughs) Don't just buy the first one. Noted. Absolutely. (laughs) On that point, where can the listeners find you and connect with you online and hear more about your blog and your book? Uh, well, the blog is called 10 Things You Need to Know is In-House Counsel. If you just Google that, uh, you will you will be right, right to the site. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter. Uh, it's just Sterling Miller on LinkedIn, and I'd love to connect with people. And I write stuff outside of the blog, separate stuff that I post on, on LinkedIn and, and on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at 10 things, number 10 things. Uh, you can buy my other books on Amazon or at sterlingmillerbooks.com. Um, so and if, you can't, if you can't get them for some reason, if you just reach out to me, I'm always happy to find a way to, to send them to you anywhere, anywhere in the world. Thank you again so much. We will uh, we'll leave it there. All right. Thanks, Mel. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Council. It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the show and send this episode to a friend or colleague. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can find all of the links in the show notes.